Well, good morning everyone. It's lovely to be here with you this morning. And may I add my greetings to those that you've already received from others uh, here this morning. Uh, I particularly love being here on the Sunday morning with the worship team and the songs that they sing always encourage me. So I just want to say thank you to the worship team. You've done a great job. And for everyone else that has taken part in this service this morning, a big thank you goes out from me to you. Well now, for those that don't know, uh, I'm Dave Enright and I'm uh, on the leadership team here at Dorchester Community Church. Our ministry theme this year is Changing Times and Unchanging God. Our verse for the series of the talks that we're doing in Revelation is taken from Isaiah 40 and verse 31. Uh, Those who hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. What a great verse. Something to take home, reflect on and put into practice in our lives. Over the last three weeks, we've been looking at Revelation which is the last book in the Bible, and we have been focusing on the first three chapters. Uh, In those chapters, we find the letters sent to the seven churches in Asia. God gave them to Jesus, and Jesus dictated them to the Apostle John while he was a prisoner of faith on the Isle of Patmos. The Isle of Patmos was a Roman penal colony. Right now, David Herring opened the introduction to Revelation with his strapline being, Do you trust the sender? Who was God? Then Bruce Westgate continued the introduction with, To everyone in the churches. That means all of us. We're all included in, this, uh, in these churches' letters uh, we find in Revelation. Jonathan Greening spoke on the letter to the first church in Ephesus. His strap line, dear hard working, which they were. But sadly, they lost sight of Jesus in amongst all of that hard work. Sad, really, but it does happen, more probably than you think. And today I'm talking on Revelation 2 and verses 8 to 11. And you'll find there the letter to the second church, uh, which is in Smyrna. And my strap line is, Dear Persecuted. We will uh, see the truth of that uh, in their letter. The seven churches were identified by God. It's the targeted churches specifically because they contained various strengths and weaknesses that God wanted to bring to their attention. He wanted to do that in order to grow their faith and improve their relationship with him. What applies to them equally applies to us. Each church was commended for their strengths and warned of the consequences of their weaknesses. Smyrna is the only church which has no weaknesses recorded against it. How about that? And could have been labelled the perfect church. Now, if we personalise this strength, we need to be very careful 
about seeing ourselves as perfect. So I guess that the church at Smyrna had a few weaknesses as well. But, but nothing that God needed to warn them about. I heard once that there were two women who were talking about their husbands. I don't think this is unusual. It, it might happen to, to every one of us now and again. And this is what one said. My husband is always uh, criticising me uh, and uh, about everything I do. According to him, I watch all the wrong programmes on telly. He doesn't like my cooking and I don't understand politics. He goes on and on and on about me. So I told him that I know I'm not as perfect as you. No, he said, no, that's right. Just give me two things that's not perfect about me. That's easy, I said. One, everything you say. And two, everything you do. <laughs> I, think, I honestly think that put him in his place, all right, don't you? So now, let's not be tempted to think we're perfect. Because almost certainly we're not. The reality is very different. Well, the church in, uh, that I'm talking about, Smyrna, their label wasn't the perfect church. It was the persecuted church. As the passage we had read in Revelation 2 made quite clear. But because their situation was going to get worse, God opened their letter with a title that can only refer to him. He wanted them to know it was him that was talking to them. This is what he said. I am the first and the last who was dead and now is alive. It's me that says these things to you. Now that can only refer to Jesus, who was both God and man. The message could not have come from an angel or any other heavenly being. No one else at all but Jesus himself. And it was important to Jesus that the, the Christians in Smyrna knew just who was talking to them. Now each of the seven churches were reassured the same thing, that their letter came from the Lord Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God. It's nice to know that he is interested very much in us. Jesus says to them in verse uh, uh, 8 of Revelation 2, I know your circumstances, your poverty and your persecution. He knew what troubled them. And he knows what troubles us. And he cares. He cares. The message he gives to them is this. I will stand with you. And he's still saying that to us today. Immersed as we are in all of our COVID tragedy, Jesus still says to us as he holds out his hand, I will stand with you. Now, many who are without Christ have to go through this COVID time and many other situations in their life alone. Alone, that is, without any inner support. But the blessings Christians have is that Jesus can give us 
and inner peace which the world cannot give us. Whoever our helpers are, that inner peace is not theirs to give. John uh, 14 and verse 27 tells us about his inner peace. And I recommend that you turn up John 14 and verse 27 and read about it. It's an added heavenly strength that can not only get us through these times, but also allow us to help others get through it by being a shoulder for them to lean on. Now, Jesus went on to say to the Christians at Smyrna that they may be financially poor, but spiritually they were rich beyond all measure. That's a good way round to get that equation. Uh, financially poor, but spiritually rich. Not the other way around. It was good. And Jesus knew it. And I believe that all the money in the world could not buy the blessings Jesus gave to them. And now also gives to us, to me and to you. And he gives those blessings to us freely. Verse 9 of uh, Revelation 2 also tells us that of uh, their persecutions they suffered. Uh, And one of them was that they were persecuted by the slander of the Jewish sector in Smyrna. And that included lies and accusations with them being denounced to the Roman authorities for their faith. Rome then demanded emperor worship, which Christians in Smyrna would not bow down to. John was a prisoner on the island of Patmos for it. Other Christians may well have lost jobs, businesses and homes as a result of being denounced by the Jewish community there to the Romans. But let's be clear on this. The Jews in Smyrna were not representative of Jews generally. The Jews here in Smyrna seem to have renounced their allegiance to God. They didn't keep any of the feast days given by God through Moses. They even, can you believe this, they even despised God's Ten Commandments, which Moses brought down from the mountain, written on tablets of stone. Verse 9 tells us that the synagogue they went to in Smyrna had become the synagogue of Satan, doing his will instead of God's. Smyrna for them was a place of much pagan wealth and immoral pleasure. And they, they were ready to give up God in order to indulge in him. Scripture rightly says in Matthew chapter 6, you cannot serve two masters or you will end up loving one and hating the other. No wonder they hated the Christians then who reminded the Jewish community of what serving God was really all about. And and on, on top of that, they had rejected Christ which generated an added and even greater urge for them to try and stamp out the Christian church who were living as a beacon of light in all 
that uh, and showing all that is good and righteous in the debauchery of Smyrna. And verse 10 tells us they were not finished yet. They were about to be thrown into prison as the Jews joined with the citizens of Smyrna Smyrna, to turn tribulation into full-scale persecution as annoyance turned to resentment and resentment turned to hatred. What a sad picture it is that is being drawn over the fate of those Christians in Smyrna. But don't fear it, is what Jesus said. Don't fear it. That was said in their letter. Keep faithful. Rely on me and not on your own strength. You can't make it alone, but we can make it together. Verse 10 also makes it clear uh, that being thrown into prison was the work of the devil, as it was his intention to crush the church at Smyrna. You know something? Persecution, instead of crushing, often makes Christians stronger. In his letter, James, the brother of Jesus, says in chapter 1 that testing produces patience and throws us back into the arms of Jesus. And that's where we will find everything we need to face all that life throws against us. James even says, listen to this, that we should count it a joy when we suffer. Because he knew that ultimately God would be glorified and we would be blessed. I'm not quite sure I've reached that level yet. Anyway, uh, back to uh, Revelation 2. Verse 10 of our passage tells us that those thrown into prison would suffer for 10 days. Now, this may have been literal for them, I don't know, but for some of us, the difficulties that we go, difficulties that we go through may be short, others longer. However, the position of Jesus remains the same. He will be there for, for us from beginning to end, however long that may be. Because in changing times, he is our unchanging God. We will close this first session by being reminded that our faith here on earth will continue to be a blessing for us in the next life. Because when we arrive in heaven, God promises the crown of life to all those who are faithful unto death. Now, that may be a martyr's death, and it certainly was for some in Smyrna. But remember, Christians are still being martyred today. And many are finding this letter a source of comfort and encouragement. Now, maybe for us, it means being faithful until death, faithful until the end of our life, when we will find a welcome for us by Jesus into heaven. Ah, well, hello again. Um, So now we're going to be looking at part two of our uh, talk uh, in Revelation chapter two. Uh, and to the church at Smyrna. I hope you've enjoyed the songs and the contributions you've been hearing uh, in the meantime. 
again to those that have taken part. I just want to say thank you to all of you. We've really enjoyed what you've been bringing to us. Now, uh, in terms of um, Smyrna and Revelation 2, we begin with that last verse uh, to, uh, to Smyrna, which is verse 11. And uh, that contains the most personal message of all. It begins, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In other words, listen. Why? Because it's what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and to me. And it is vitally important that we hear it. It goes on, He who overcomes, or is victorious, in the trials of life shall not be hurt by the second death. Second death? This is explaining, really, doesn't it? I think so. Well, the first death is the one when we all die. It refers to our humanity. We all have to die. Are you ready? Johnny Cash had peace of mind. I like Johnny Cash, country and western singer. I love it. And he had peace of mind in this respect because in one of his gospel songs, he sang this. I know I got it settled because I settled it long ago. I almost want to sing it. <laughs> but what a, what a terminology. I know I got it settled, he sang, because I settled it long ago. He was talking about when he first trusted in Jesus and became a Christian. Now the second death refers to what happens after we die. And we need to get this. It's not something that is determined after we die. It's determined now, in this life, before we die. You see, when Jesus died on the cross for us, he took the punishment for sin for everyone who ever lived. All those who had lived before, all those who are living now, and all those who will live in the future until he comes again. So that when he rose again, his death on the cross meant that he could offer his forgiveness to us all. He still is offering his forgiveness today, right now, to whoever wants to receive it. John 3 and verse 16 puts it like this, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him will not die, but receive everlasting life. It's an unconditional offer, because it doesn't depend on anything we've done or you've done. It's not whether we are good enough, because none of us ever can be. It depends on what Jesus did for us. And because he never sinned, he was good enough to die on the cross and pay the price for our sin. To take our punishment on himself for absolutely all of us who has ever lived. He paid the price of our sin.
His forgiveness to us, as we've said before, is unconditional and free. In fact, I'll qualify that because the only condition that I can see on it is to be willing to accept and receive it. To be willing to accept and receive his forgiveness. It's a no-brainer, really, is it? Isn't it? Because if we don't want it, we reject it. And if we reject it, we won't get it. <laughs> Nothing rocket science about that, is there? Not really. God planned for his son Jesus to die on the cross, which means that he also planned to punish his only son Jesus for our sin and for the sin of the world. So that, as we said, Jesus can make his offer of forgiveness to us when he rose again. And again I say, he's doing that for you right now. He's making that offer of forgiveness. And the only condition is that you have on your part is to receive it. But you know what? It's strange, I find it strange anyway, how some people can blame God for rejecting them. When in reality, it's they who have rejected him. Right then, what is involved in accepting Jesus' offer of forgiveness? Well, it's all laid out for us in his word, the Bible. Romans 10, chapters 9 and 10, say, if you confess with your mouth who Jesus is, the Son of God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because with your heart, you believe in what he did for you on the cross, and with your mouth, you confess to others what your heart has believed. So, very simple. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Faith in Jesus is an inner thing. Uh, so it's something that is done deep down inside you. The terminology of that, it's done in your heart. Simple really, isn't it? But remember, you can't blame God if you turn your back on his offer. Get in touch with us if you have questions or if you've made a decision. We're waiting to hear or to help. Also, remember that verse 11 started with listen. Now, we haven't fully dealt with the second death. The second death is dealt with, we said now, in this lifetime. Because when we die, we face a judgment. Hebrews 9 and verse 27 puts it exactly like that. It is appointed for men once to die, and after that, the judgment. That judgment uh, will end in eternal separation for all those found with sin in their lives. That is the second death. But Christians, verse 11 says, will not be hurt by it. Why? Because they won't be there, basically. They have... Remember, during their lifetime, now, accepted Jesus' offer of forgiveness. So now at this heavenly judgment, which ends in the second death, they won't be there. 
Because there's no requirement for them to be at that heavenly judgment. Because they have no case to answer. There are no sins for them to give an account of. Because Jesus has forgiven them and removed them. In other words, his work on the cross has brought Christians their eternal life. So we can all join in and sing with Johnny Cash, I know I've got it settled, because I settled it long ago with Jesus. Sin, however, we need to realise will not spoil heaven or eternity, because by the banishment of the second death, sin will no longer exist. So what do you do now in this life will have an everlasting effect on your soul. It's what we do now that is so important and we need to get our head around it. Because when we die, it's too late. Make the decision now that will affect your eternal life. You will not be affected by that second death because through Jesus in your life, you have your sin forgiven. Receive him now and he will receive you in the hereafter. John 14 says this, In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. Over the coming weeks, God will whisper into your heart, through the Holy Spirit, at least one thought for each church that is ministered on. It's up to you whether you lose them or lose them. Now I'm just going to read quickly uh, through the bullet points that we've had on the screen, uh, just uh, uh, as, a matter, as a way of underlining what we've said to each other today. First one that was there is trust the sender. It's God who is bringing this message to us because he wants to share with us and be a part of our lives. It's written to everyone. No one is excluded. Nobody. Everybody is included in God's desire to bring them to himself. Uh, and remember what we said uh, the next bullet point, I will stand with you. And he does and he is, whatever our circumstances in life. The other thing we looked at in part one was, you can't make it alone, but we can make it together. We being you and Jesus, me and Jesus. Part two uh, opened with, listen. I wonder if you have been, because almost certainly the Holy Spirit has been whispering in to your heart as you've been listening. The other thing we looked at, which is so important, is that God's offer of forgiveness to us is unconditional. We cannot labour that enough. And it's free. You can't do anything about it. God has already done everything about it by asking his son Jesus to die on the cross. Secondly, don't blame God. If you reject his offer, don't blame him. Romans 10 said uh, about if we believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That is the way in which we take, we take advantage of God's offer, in which we receive it. We believe it in our hearts and we confess it with our mouth. 
get in touch with us if you've done any of those things. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for what you've brought to us from uh, the bit of the Bible that we've been looking at today. Seven letters to seven churches. As I read them, they sound a bit like school reports, don't they? I don't know if you remember school reports. There's a good bit and a bad bit. And mine were mostly bad bits with not many good bits. Actually, the letter we had read to us today, there weren't really any bad bits because God was so aware of the persecution that the church was going through. Doesn't mean to say they were perfect, but they were persecuted. Poverty and persecution. I wonder if those are familiar to you. I wonder if you feel like you're so poor that you, can't, uh, you can barely manage, or if you're coming under so much persecution that you're finding it difficult to cope. The message from God's word is, Jesus knows and he cares. He knows about your situation and he cares. And his words to the church here were, you might be financially poor, but you're rich in me. Why? Because all the money in the world cannot buy what I can give you for free.